0: That you can use in your own classroom for more information about music first please visit www.musicfirst.com there you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial crystal williams is a music adjunct lecturer for woodwind methods for the university of maryland baltimore county she's also the music theory teacher at northwestern high school's visual and performing arts program For Prince George's County Public Schools. Previously she served as the band director at Western High School for eight years and 14 years with the Baltimore City Schools. Mrs. Williams attended Morgan State University as a music major from 1999 to 2005 and as a graduate assistant from 2006 to 2009. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Music and a Master of Arts in Teaching from the College of Notre Dame, Maryland. She is currently serving as the music technology chair for the maryland music educators association the professional development chair for the association of black women band directors a member of the women band directors international association and a member of the baltimore alumni chapter of sigma alpha iota international music fraternity for women it is my distinct pleasure this week to welcome crystal williams Uh, to the podcast, Crystal. I have heard nothing but raves about all the work you've been doing uh, down there in the Baltimore, Maryland area. And I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jim. I am am so happy to be on this to talk about my favorite subject.
0: Very cool. (laughs) All right. So before we get into the tech side of things, I'd love to hear kind of your story. And um, by that, I mean, you know, like how you got interested in music? How you got interested in becoming a music teacher? And then kind of trace the the path or the arc of your career uh, up to where you are today.
1: Oh wow! Um, if I could say where my interest come from, um, very little. Like I'm I'm a child of the '80s, so our cartoons were very music rich. All right, and, that's um, right. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a Looney Tunes watcher, so. You know, you have full operas that happen in our Sunday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning cartoons. That's absolute and truth. I was so intrigued. But how how does all this sound like I was, of course, laughing at the cartoons, but I was really into like the music. Um, and I think about like, you know, Longhorn and, and Broomhilda, And I was like, oh, this is just great. That was like so exciting to me. And music class is my favorite class class. Um, so in kindergarten this is my very first memory of being in school uh we were watching um, i'm dating myself uh peter and the wolf there
0: you go all right
1: and i'm talking the film strip with the beep that's right
0: i think i I might have a few years on you but i'm from the same era crystal Mm
1: -hmm. and that (laughs) i was just so enamored by the instruments of the orchestra And, you know, kindergarten, I remember I stood up and I conducted the whole thing and my kindergarten teacher, I remember like it was a spectacular day to me because I got my first sticker and she said, you'll be a great music teacher one day. I feel like she kind of spoke it into existence and got the opportunity to be in band um, in the sixth grade. And I had the pleasure of having a wonderful music educator who's still in the game, uh, Roosevelt Pratt. He's at E.E. E. Smith um, in uh, North Carolina, but he was fresh out of college and I had the benefit of having him as a band director. And he just, he was so into everything we did. Right. Um, the music, you know, if it was a movie that came out, we played the movie things, and I didn't know that was how band could be. You know, you get that method book and that's where you start. But he really made Band come alive with just a music selection and um, how he engaged with students. And if a song came on the radio, you know, we had it on Monday, and I was like, wow, we could like play things that I like. Oh, and that's cool. And where, I, did you
0: grow, where did you go grow, grow up, Crystal?
1: I grew up in um, a small town, uh, Akakek, Maryland. But okay. during this time, I was living in Oxon Hill, Maryland, um, which is you know where the National Harbor is now. All oh, right, okay. And so I was you know element regular old middle schooler,
0: right? You know
1: unsure about themselves. I lost my mother the year before middle school started. Oh wow! So That's- I was in a really you know dark and lonely place, and yep. and band became it became my my safe haven. So. Mm that's the, what started on. I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be a band director. That's, that's where it's at.
0: <laughs> very cool. Yeah. That, uh, and, and you know, the, the, the influence that educators have on you, I don't think teachers always take that into account. Um, you know, and they, they mm-hmm. may find out years later from a student, how much of an influence they were, but it's great that, uh, Mr. Pratt was there for you.
1: And so, um, you know, I, I was in Bannon high school. I did all the ensembles that you could get your hands on. And I said, you know what? I think I want to major in music. Like this is this is what makes me, makes me want to get up and say, I can do this every day. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to Morgan State under Melvin N. Miles, who will be retiring from 40 plus years of um, service in the industry of being a band director, director wow. of bands in Morgan State. And I got to study under him, and um, I was there during the time where uh, Na- Dr. Nathan Carter was alive. So I had really strong um, music educators, and that just took me to the next level. And what I learned, you know, from the, being in the ensembles and also being on the podium, uh, really, really helped shape me as a music educator. And I've I've been doing it ever since. <laughs>
0: Now, when you graduated from um, uh, Morgan State, um, where did you end up uh, starting your teaching career?
1: So I started my teaching career in Baltimore City Public Schools. All right. Um, I, I had done, you know, my student teaching in Baltimore City Schools. I'd really latched on to... Uh, wanting to help kids have that same experience that I had, um, and often when we talk about you know places like Baltimore, students you know there's a lot of inequity, and I just really wanted to be a part of that that change. You know, people say, "Oh, why would you want to teach there?" And it was nowhere I really wanted to teach other than with students that I felt like came from similar backgrounds as me. Right. And I I wanted to kind of help influence that change.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And so, where are you teaching now?
1: um currently so i'll i I've, I've been telling a good friend by the name of walter harley that I i came back home All so right. this year this school active school year after being in baltimore city schools for 15 years i transferred to prince george's county um it was just i had such great experiences being a student in um, Prince George's County Schools as a music student. I, I felt like it helped shape me and I just felt like it was time to go back home.
0: And so where are you now? What, what I'm school? I'm
1: currently at Northwestern High School. Um All right. As a, a visual performing arts um, teacher, I teach music theory and composition and it is the, um, you know, arts, creative art school of the Northern part of the district.
0: All
1: right. Um, in Hyattsville, Maryland.
0: So Judith Hawkins is your supervisor.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: That's right. And do you know Antonio Giles? Yes, I do. All right. So Antonio was a guest on this podcast a couple years (laughs) ago. I've I've done um, trainings in Prince George's County. um, Many, uh, many years ago when I was uh, running a company called Soundtree and there were keyboard labs. Mm -hmm. I did that in Baltimore as well I wrote the keyboard lab curriculum so I'm sure I'm sure our paths have crossed at one point or another crystal especially Um,
1: considering my lab right now is a sound tree lab
0: oh well there you go all right so it's it's quite possible that I that I actually was there in person at some point uh, maybe 15 years ago anyway um, so now you're a music theory and composition teacher and are you're also doing an adjunct gig aren't you
1: Yes, um, I'm currently at the University of Maryland, uh, Baltimore County, as a woodwind adjunct.
0: Oh, cool. So what's your instrument? Clarinet. Oh, very good. All right. So um, tell us about that gig, because music theory and composition, that sounds like my kind of dream gig.
1: Oh, well, we're speaking the same language. So I was always good at theory in college. Like, you know, theory can be the subject everybody wants to run and hide from. Exactly. I liked it because um, I really got into arranging uh, for the marching band while I was at Morgan. And the very first thing that Melvin and Miles told me, he said, well, you need to take your theory classes. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: And and he was right. He was completely right. I needed to understand the structures of music. And I really was doing well in theory. And I said, man, I like band, but one day I I really would like to teach theory. And, you know, a lot of people, that's the last thing they would want to teach but if you're really into theory you just like the structure of it um i like learning about to me you know it's like the science behind the music and i just like how it's structured and i like trying to find innovative ways to get my students to understand theory
0: yeah and 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 composition so is or like what is your what is your daily schedule look like there at northwestern
1: so i teach three different levels of theory um, I do not teach the entry-level freshman theory class where the um the music majors uh int- they, they come into a class piano theory one um but I get them in class piano theory two three and then of course AP music Theory
0: all right cuz you're yeah I mean it sounds like you're in a the visual and performing it's a, like a magnet school for visual and performing That's arts. exactly
1: what it uh, is. So those students test in and they have a very rigorous um music schedule and they must take 3 years of theory as a part oh, of that. Oh that's
0: great. That's very cool. And then is is composition a separate class?
1: It's included in the theory the class piano theory three class.
0: Got it. Got it. And how, how did you get interested in teaching composition? Is that like your, did you inherit that? Or is that, did you add that?
1: So I studied some post-undergrad. Um, post, uh, post undergrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, It was like a passion. It was just kind of something that I got into while being a music major. Um, Melvin M. Miles is a quite accomplished arranger. I um, mean, he's written movie soundtracks. And I said, man, I, I didn't feel confident enough to, like say hey I'm going to be a composer right um but because it in it involves heavy theory um I still write I always wanted to be able to write for my ensembles which I still do and write for other people and I said I want to show kids how to do this because I didn't learn how to do it until college right um, officially so I said you know it'd be really cool to get students to get this early, especially in, um, you know, students who look like me, black and brown students. This isn't often a part of the curriculum in, in some of the schools that at least I've taught in. So I thought right. it would be a really a rich experience.
0: No, that's fantastic. I've always been incredibly impressed by what uh, Judith Hawkins does, all the schools in Prince George's County. Um, and I know that you guys have been longtime customers and supporters of Music First, and we thank you for that. But I, I just think it's um, for those listeners who are like, "Where? Where is Prince George's County?" It's basically east of Washington D.C. and up towards Baltimore. Right? Is that a good way of saying it?
1: Yep. It's well, it's south of Baltimore, but it's definitely east of Washington D.C. Okay.
0: Um, so yeah, got it. It kind of it's like a it's like a Washington D.C. suburb, if you will. Absolutely. Right. Cool. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, you know, obviously um we're recording this uh like right at the beginning of spring 2022 and um you know for the last two and a half year or two years it feels like all I've been talking about is is uh, a pandemic but um you know hopefully I'm going not going to ask this question next season but uh you yeah, know I just want to know like what happened in your district what happened at Northwestern and um You know, the the way I'm the way I'm thinking is that because you're a theory comp teacher and not and you have no performance ensemble duties at all?
1: Um, not this year. And that's the first time in 15 years of my career.
0: (laughs) All right, good. So yeah, I mean, what 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 did it look like for you for the last two years? Because I'm just hearing all kinds of different stories from everybody.
1: So um 2 years because I've only been in Prince George's County Schools for a matter of months now. Oh, okay, so got it, yeah. During those 2 years, I was a band director, the only band director in my school and a highly um active band program. Right. But I say by the time that the, that we were sent home on I call it the extended leave.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was literally the day before um music performance assessments. Literally oh. the day and um, my students were ready. We actually had a pre-assessment, had done our pre-assessments at a couple of um, schools. We usually go to Towson University. And then of course, um, if I could fit in Morgan State as well, I try to have, you know, university directors kind of give me some last, last pointers, Um, yep. hear my students hear from a different person. Sometimes they're just saying what I was saying all along, but you know,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I've done that. I used to do that when I was a band director and those kind of workshops, the kids are like, wow, you know what you're talking about.
1: Right. (laughs) Like, and and it is what it is. You know, it's just like the parent at home, you know, they like to listen to their aunt or uncle. Um, But we were getting ready for uh, music performance assessments. And it's actually, I had the largest group that I had, um, had that I was taking both groups. Right. Normally I would take like my top group and I had a lot of beginners in the program. Um, my program historically at the time was built off of 95 percent um, beginners in high school. OK. So it's wow. very intense to get um, those students to play a grade three.
0: Absolutely. Grade, totally. I mean, because
1: <laughs> that's that is the, you know, lowest level they take for if you qualify for states and you're talking about someone who just learned what the instrument is, how to hold it. And a lot of times how to read music. So, but they had a lot of buy-in and I taught, um, Western high schools, the, the country's oldest all girl public high school.
0: Oh, wow. Cool.
1: So I was there for almost 10 years and the the ladies, they were ready and that day hit. Oof. Oh, brutal. Absolutely,
0: it was brutal. it was
1: brutal. It was brutal because I had to tell them, I don't think it's going to happen. Of course, you know, right, that right, right. we didn't have the metrics and we didn't know how long, but say, you know, tomorrow's not going to happen. And I just need you to take your instruments home. And those instruments stay home for two years.
0: Well, at least you told them to take them home. I can't tell you how many teachers I've spoken with who, who the kids left their instruments and they couldn't get back to them.
1: You know, I had that feeling. I said, yep. this just seems a little eerie. Yep. And I made an announcement, um, you know, on the PA system. I said, hey, if you're in band, come get your instrument. And really, all of them took their instruments home about, with the exception of maybe about four or five students. Wow. Out of about 70. Because they just was like, well, any minute we might have to do NPAs they were very right. serious about it that's and right. so they they kind of followed the direction because of where we are we're not saying that they wouldn't have normally but it was just like oh well we need to be ready and um it, it just happened that we went home and we did not come back until this school year yeah
0: that's amazing <laughs> so um what what is it like at Northwestern right now are you, are, I'm, where I am in New York the masks are off in school is that the same for you
1: no, um uh, we are still met on a mask mandate. Right. Um, the performing ensembles have yet to perform in front of the student body. Wow. Um, everything well, has still been virtual. Like even for a VPA program, that's kind of tough because normally by now they would have done a few concerts. Absolutely. Um, you know, for the school as a visual performing <clears throat> arts school.
0: So being a theory comp teacher is actually like there there is no. It's just the kids have masks on, but you're still able to teach everything you would normally teach. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So uh, let's let's get into that. What kind of um, you know what kind of things are you doing with your kids? Uh, what you know your infusion of technology into theory comp to me is like the most perfect marriage. Right. The the uh, theory comp with with technology is kind of a match made in heaven. I'd love to hear the kinds of stuff you're doing, the kind of projects your kids do, and. And what you're doing with some of the stuff that uh, that you got from Music First.
1: Well, it one, it is the best marriage ever. Um, of course, having a performing ensemble, trying to figure that out during pandemic was just, it was unheard of. Yep. But when we talk about composition and we talk about theory, um, apps is absolutely where, you know, even in college i wasn't writing things out by hand by right. then like i was using like finales Sibelius. and so using apps in class for <coughs> the theory portion is it just makes sense yeah um not killing so much paper i mean you can run through some paper
0: absolutely <laughs> absolutely
1: class just manuscript paper alone but um it's made that process so much easier. Um, One thing that I'm doing, um, we're in a unit where we're talking about harmonic structure and students have been learning about harmonizing using one, four and five. Mm -hmm. Um, First, I taught them how to do it in a major key and the elements of what makes melody um, structured and what makes a good melody because of course I teach AP music theory. So if they get that in theory too, they're completely set up for success in, you know, AP theory when it's time to do part writing. Um, And so that's the, that's been the unit and I have, I'm using a um, workbook, but all of their assignments they're completing in no flight. Oh, Oh, cool. Gosh, I can't tell you. (laughs) You're getting the nerd. Um, I was, I wrote the first thing I did when I got to Northwestern, I said, I have to have a Like I have to have a smart board and right. everybody had like a little smart board, but I was like, no, I need a big one because I need to be able to put some of this, this theory work on a touchscreen. We can make edits in real time. And I said, you know, something like note flight in this class will be awesome. You can share it in real time. They come to the board and make edits. I circle things. I turn on the smart board and, you know, I go get the marker and the highlighter and say, hey, do you have non-chord tones in your melody? Are you using them in the right function? And we're having these conversations with sophomores. I know some college th- college music majors <laughs> that this would be over their head. And they're making edits and, um, you know, they get an assignment every week where they have to compose something using one, four, and five. Some With the sophomores, I give them the key. With the juniors, I give them more freedom because they know more theory. Um, and then they have to turn it in and they present it in front of the class. And, you know, they get real live editing and critique. And although it's not a performance-based class, everything that they're doing is um, performance-based. With, like if you think of your uh, composer and your premiere a piece, that's how it feels. Absolutely. And so they're getting that real-time um, feedback. The fourth quarter will be geared to presenting those um, works that students have been working on all year. Oh, that's Um, cool. The theory that they know their first assignment was a theme and variation of something like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. We talked about Mozart and it was really easy to do in um, music. This is a function that I don't think people understand is so powerful in like in music first classroom. That create a lesson, create a task,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because I can write my lesson there, share what I want students to see. But from an administrative perspective, because when I was in Baltimore City, I was in the I was on the leadership team for a curriculum. Right. And to say to my supervisors, hey, look at music first, because it's a district account. I've created this lesson on composition share it with other teachers.
0: That's right. That's why I built it. That's exactly <laughs> oh, why I goodness. built it. That is perfectly. I love hearing that because I'm, I I'm don't think people
1: here. understand how game changing that is as a curriculum writer. Yep. Because in real time, you can see what I'm doing. Yep. I can see what other teachers and because it's a VPA program, there's another theory teacher on the southern end of Prince George's County. Then I can share lessons. We can communicate, never see each other, and of course, pandemic and with some of the uncertainty still with what's going on, we don't ever have to sit in a room and talk and have complete uh, alignment, you know. With yeah, no. I, I, I
0: if I if I may, um, the for those of you that are saying what what Chris what can you do? Um, what Crystal's talking about is in the content tab. There is a folder called My District Content. And in that folder, you can share your lessons with any other teacher that's part of the district. You know, if your district has, and we have a whole bunch of districts that do that, but not everybody knows about it. And I think, uh, I mean, the reason that I built it was for teachers within the same district to share because how cool is it that you could, you know, I, I personally believe that music teachers are really giving people. Um, but, you know, t- for you to like say, all right, well, I wrote these lessons anyway, I might as well post them and maybe others can use them. And hopefully other teachers are doing that and you can use their lessons. Right. And that if you do have curricular alignment between schools, because I think a lot of music educators and correct me if I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's different in Prince George's County, but where I taught in, in New Jersey, I taught in, in uh, three different districts in New Jersey there was no um, kind of district alignment with the music curriculum. It was just like, or, you know, each person did their own. They were one man or one woman Mm -hmm. show. Um, So it's really cool that you mentioned that. It makes, I have a smile a mile wide that somebody's actually using that. Oh, let me tell you
1: the curriculum writer in me. Once I figured out, I was like, wait a minute. Because the, I, I had a music first account. I actually paid for my own Music First account oh, wow. during the pandemic because I said, there's no, there's no, I mean, I had a subscription to Musician in Aurelia. Yep. And I'd been using that and I was like, this is really neat. And I'd been using NoteFlight, but the districts hadn't really bought into the technology until they were kind of forced to. I'd been doing it for like 10 years. Yeah.
0: All right. Awesome. So when
1: the pandemic hit, my students didn't know really any different.
0: Right. Right.
1: There wasn't like this. I refuse to do this. or I don't know how to do this. My students said things like, oh, is it posted on practice first? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like, okay. And and that was the conversation. So a lot of the um, negative experiences people had with pandemic teaching, I, I call it really have it i yeah. mean it's just my i had a general i had pre-ap music during the pandemic we right. rolled it out when the pandemic hit so it was kind of like the worst time to roll out a new course
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but they asked me they said are you still going to teach pre-ap music i was like yes i will because sure but the perching i didn't have that type of budget um and i just A lot of times with technology, I just, a lot of what I've been using over the years, I just paid out of pocket.
0: Yep. Um, Like many teachers do. Yeah, I
1: just said, this is making my life easier and it's making the students get it. Yep. And it's giving them um, resources that my lack of budget can't meet. It's just giving them what they need to be successful and it's actually making my job easier. So, oh, okay, $3 a three dollars a student and yep. you do a little bit of math and you're like oh okay I can write that off
0: <laughs> right 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 it's unfortunate but uh, I used to do the same thing I'd buy stuff all the time for my kids and my wife would be like what is this charge on the credit card oh, for, I've been bad. for boom whackers I was like oh I, you know I need them <laughs> so yeah I hear you but it's a shame that we have to do that right
1: yeah somebody just bought some boom whackers like the, that too <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> but
1: that was that was So so back to the classroom, I'm using note flight for all of the composition assignments, even if I print out something, um, it's a theory assignment they have to do, they're doing it in note flight, and at this point, and I just got to Northwestern, they'll say, "Um, we can do this in note flight, right, yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh, I made an edit. A student came to me at lunch today, said, oh, I edited mine. I just wanted to let you know, to look out for it. I downloaded the PDF and the MP3. The awesome. digital literacy yep. that they're getting, um, because the intentions of those students will go be music majors, man, they're they're just ahead of the game. Yep. Um, and then, so I have a survey of music classes, a general music class. Um, these are not VPA um, music majors. Okay. And everybody hates, you know, general (laughs) music uh, music appreciation, like they used to say in our day. Right. Um, Sound trap.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I I hear you.
1: (laughs) Sound trap. Um,
0: Kids love it. Kids absolutely love it.
1: So one, the built-in tutorials, great way to introduce the lesson. Yep. Today, we're going to learn about fading. Anytime a new um function or there's another tutorial video the fact that is there as soon as they log in it's like yep and they're now in the habit I have to click on this and and if they don't I have a smart board all right everybody log into Soundtrap from your music first account they know how to do that and okay everybody's gonna set up their template this we're gonna call this fade in fade out we this is and this is a lesson I got from the that's a great. library. That's so great. if there's somebody using it, oh, I am. Because
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's at, awesome.
1: Once you get over 10 years, you get kind of, I don't want to say lazy teacher, but you work a little smarter.
0: <laughs> yeah, work smarter, not harder. That's, yeah, uh, yeah so absolutely.
1: They, um, uh, I want to say January to February, they had this project where we were, I was trying to teach them how to use different functions of Soundtrap. And I said, oh, well, we can create a movie scene, soundtrack." But fading in, fade out. It's got to be an action scene. Right. And here's how you fade in, fade out. And I could put all the links, you know, in that lesson plan. So if yeah. I share it, someone's got my, all the stuff that I put together and the students came up with these action scenes. And if you close your eyes, you can really say, oh, yep, yeah, I that's a police chase.
0: Yeah, no, very cool. That's awesome.
1: And um it's it gets a different interest for students who are not playing instruments, they're not inquired. A lot of times they haven't had a lot of music in a unique situation. A lot of my students are um they're they're of Latinx background. It's 90 percent um students from you know between uh Central America, different Mexico, yeah. They're It's just, that's our location. Right. Yeah. So using something where there's no language barrier. Yeah. And there are a lot of Soundtrap tutorials in Spanish.
0: There sure are. That's, I'm glad you found them. Very cool. Yeah,
1: I'm glad I found them too. So let me ask you what kind of,
0: yeah, what kind of of access to technology do these kids have? Are is it a one-to-one program or that they use their phones? Like how are they doing their stuff outside of class?
1: So pandemic in, a, in, in my former district where the, the budget at my school was just, it just wasn't there. Right. Uh, because Soundtrap works from phones, anything they could get their hands on. Right. Got it. Um, but however, in Prince George's County, they are one-to-one. And so they have Chromebooks. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Soundtrap doesn't eat up all of this, it, you know, sometimes with DAWs, and and i guess i need to say that for people who don't know what a dog yeah, now go ahead <laughs> for you know digital audio workstations you know where you create what my students call this is where we create beats
0: uh <laughs>
1: for for that they they can drain yeah, a computer and be completely on you can't run it on anything that's not um that doesn't have the ram or the speed yeah to, to house it uh they don't have I, I have seldom had any like real issues with them using on their devices.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, as somebody, so Crystal, I'll give my age away. I was born in 1970. So I'm also okay. a, a kind of a child of the late seventies and eighties. And I graduated high school in 88. Um, you know, the idea back then of a digital audio workstation was, you know, it was like Star Trek, uh, you know, way out in the future. Um, The first time I put a uh, sequencer in my computer was 1987 and I freaked out. I, I, and it was this whole clunky thing with MIDI and um, you know, fast forward to 2012 when I started music first Um, soon after maybe four months into, into starting this company, I found a product called Soundation, which was Mm -hmm. there before Soundtrap. And I, and I freaked out when I saw that you could do this on a phone And on a, you know, forget that on the internet, you know, what you're just saying about how a lot of these like higher end programs like Logic and Pro Tools and Ableton require like, you know, a pretty robust computer. I was just like, you can do this in the web. (laughs) I I did an Mm -hmm. Elaine Bettis from Seinfeld, like get out, you know, and I, I, I've never, I actually pushed myself over. I fell backwards on my chair when I first saw that. So then when Soundtrap came along, um, I was just like, oh my God, this is so awesome. So it's good to hear. And you mentioned something really important. Um, and that is, and the what I'm really interested, I'd love to get your take on this because I in my graduate class at teachers college, I taught it this last night, talking about composition and the difference between teaching composition and notation software versus teaching composition in in something like soundtrap. I was saying, look, you know, you got to give the kids every avenue to be creative okay. and sometimes notation software sometimes not all It depends on how you teach but sometimes notation software can be a massive barrier to creativity because the kids have no idea how to read or write it but they do know how to make beats they know they do know how to sing mm-hmm. they do know how to play guitar but they don't know how like the theory start. you're in like this really unique position where you know you're teaching them the literacy part of it, but you're also teaching them the composition. I just like your quick take on like, you know, what do you think about teaching composition with either notation or a DAW or both?
1: Well, um, when I first started writing curriculum about 10 years, about 10 years ago, um, the, when it was time to roll out curriculum to teachers, I was always hitting this brick wall where a teacher whose schedule didn't allow time to get that far into theory.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> if exactly. at all, if <laughs> right. at all,
1: like if I teach, um, if I teach kids and I only see them once a week uh, for the year, that's only 23 days. Yep. No way. And so when I would bring out those NAVME standards to create standards, let let me tell you, teachers run
0: yep, they do. from them.
1: They They run from them because uh, to, in our mind, because we study music, we think that there has to be so much theory attached to it to do it right. Right. And for a kid, that barrier exists when you don't have that theory. Exactly. But when you think about, and I thought about this um, once I had a kid.
0: Oh, yeah. How (laughs) creative It changes everything. It changes a lot of perspectives, doesn't it?
1: yeah well, how creative they are without all of the know how exactly and i said we we kill we can kill creativity um or not even allow the avenue for it because we just don't we don't have the right pathway to get there and we think there's only one pathway to get to those create standards so for my students who don't have that much time and i don't have that much time with them I can get highly creative levels of a product and, you know, from students who I'll only see for four months mm-hmm. versus the ones that I'm about to see almost four years. Right. And the difference is not too much. Um,
0: yeah. I I mean, to me, it's so important to give the kids the opportunity to be creative rather than say get hung up on this idea of well if they can't read if they can't spell out a c major chord then they can't compose and i say Mm -hmm. i say bull beep you know it's like (laughs) no no you know look at all of the musicians over time and i don't i don't care what genre of music you're talking about it could be country rock hip-hop disco funk whatever you want to say in salsa there's a lot of non music reading musicians who are creating incredible music. So mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that you're giving the kids that opportunity. And I, and I think every music educator probably had to do it during the pandemic might've been like, Oh, this isn't so bad. I just hope that it sticks and that, that, that we keep these kids being creative because especially, you know, in diverse populations, um, where, as, where maybe even English is a, as a second language is a oh. barrier uh, this is that this is that opportunity for these kids to shine in the school um, where they might be struggling in other subjects because of a language barrier or because mm-hmm. of a cultural barrier. You know, you know, it's it, to me, it's like the most perfect. It's like it's
1: it's the perfect marriage. Yeah. Um, it's a marriage that I am um, I refuse to get a divorce from.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so I got a couple more questions for you, Crystal. I I I first of all, I'm gonna I'm telling you right now, I have to find a time to come down and meet you in person and hang with you because you sound like your class would be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, um, we're having fun. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna go to the advice question because you know you've been writing curriculum for 10 years, you've obviously been using music technology for a while. Um, you've got a really cool kind of career um going there and I, and I can and you know you're doing all you're the technology coordinator for Maryland Music Educators and, and you're doing you got your hands in many different pies right now. I you're a perfect person to ask the advice question which is what advice would you give to other music teachers who may not who who are either like still skeptical or saying, you know, now that the pandemic's over I'm going to ditch all this and go back to the way I used to teach.
1: So when I do tech sessions and and you know, there's always kind of this, um, you know, this uneasiness, yep. especially if you feel like you're not tech savvy, I'll always start by saying one, I did not study music technology <laughs> at Exactly. All. You're a music
0: educator, not a technology like, educator.
1: I am not a technology educator. Um, I started with one thing that made me feel like a kid again.
0: That's cool.
1: And that piece of technology, I, and I always say, you know, one is better than not right. Find one thing that, you know, you can see multiple functions from for me. Um, I'll say, if I can say, if I had to pick what was the multifunctioning app right now it's musician in Aurelia because I teach music theory. Mm. I don't have to put together listening examples, air training examples, if a student, unfortunately, we were in COVID, if they got COVID, if they had to quarantine, they didn't miss a beat. Yep. So for teachers, I'll say find one thing that not just makes you feel, makes you rediscover that thing why you teach music, like why did you love music, and kind of remove the student barrier, and then look at it from a student's perspective. Would a yeah, student engage with I, this? Yeah, and when i think about something will a student engage with this and i get my uneasiness out of it it makes me want to learn it because ultimately i win i'm looking around my classroom today and i said oh i got them now they're sitting there we have to create a melody Miss mm-hmm. williams play my melody play and they come up to the board and they go logging into their account it's like they're so excited to show me what they have and even when i have to critique it or other students critique it they're not turned off by that process anymore right it's like oh okay i see no non core tone i started non core tone on beat one it didn't go passing neighbor they're using a language that i want them to use yep and i'm winning
0: yep absolutely now let me ask you a question crystal um because uh You know, I often use my own children as guinea pigs for those types of things. Like when I first got uh, Ableton Live, um, I and I got a launch pad and I was like all into it. I took my nine year old daughter, um, Abby, and I said, you know, let me know what you think. Right. Because I wanted to see, like, what are the kids? Because you just said something really important. What made music special for you? What what was that moment? I, I remember that moment vividly uh you know that that i was like i think i'm supposed to do this um so you have a son i think is it what, what's his name
1: matthew matthew is 11 all right um, so, so are you using matthew kids. as your oh, guinea pig? yes absolutely <laughs> so during the pandemic um i was home and so was he and right. sometimes i had to teach class and his schedule was very different from mine they didn't right. want the elementary school students online at the screen so long right. and i had 70 minute periods so he would get out of class first and i made you know an account for him i was like okay yep. let me make an account and i would sit him next to me and you know he would he was invited to my classroom
0: <laughs> that's a, no I'm, I, that's why i asked the question because I mean you're all sitting you're Matthew last knows two how to years, no I know light. everything about my kids' teachers. I've listened yeah. to them teach. Uh by the way, blown away by what teachers did in my in my own school district. But uh, you know, I personally think that my children were my harshest critics when it came time to like, I'm gonna do this lesson with the kids. What do you think? Right? And they like, Oh, oh they will tell boring. you
1: the truth. Right. Yes. No, that's and, cool. And so, yes, I've used my son um as a guinea pig. um, uh, uh, ironically enough, he likes <laughs> he likes note flight.
0: Awesome. Well, Matthew, um, if you're if you're listening, your your mom's a rock star. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm really uh, you should be very proud of her. All right, Chris. I got one more question for you. I could again, I could talk to you for hours, uh, and that is the magic wand question. And I am really interested to hear what you have to say on this. So if you could wave a magic wand and make something that Music First has, or or, or music technology in general do something that it can't do now, what would it be?
1: I think I'm pretty tech savvy. Right. So uh, using the uh, Just Thinking in the Musician Aurelia app, attaching assignments, I get it. But I can see how a teacher would be like, oh, no, it's too many steps. I don't know. Because yep. you have to log into the browser, and you have to log into the app. Yep. with your admin rights, and yep. then you have to create the assessment, which is actually pretty easy. Um, But sharing that and then getting it into a online grading system or yep. um, like getting it to, for instance, I use Google Classroom. We'll be moving to Canvas next year. Right. I know how to do it, but I can see that step being like, where do how do how do I do? How do I do this? Like just thinking for someone who's non-techie, if I could wave a wand. It would all happen from within the app all
0: right well guess what crystal i have good news uh july, as of july 1 it will right so See? we're. yeah <laughs> you, you believe me you are probably person number seven thousand to tell me that <laughs> um so uh yeah we're going completely web-based for the admin side yes. of things as of july 1 so we're really really uh, the folks uh at Rising Software down in Melbourne, Australia, have heard everybody screaming for the last couple of years, and so we're thrilled. You're, I'm actually, this is the first time I have time talked I'm to them personally, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Peter Lee, he's, a, yeah. he's a, a dear friend. I'm, I'm sure he listened to you. Actually, you maybe you're the one who pushed him over the edge, because out of nowhere he told us today, and it's really ironic that you mentioned that. Uh, that that that's going to happen. So very good. Your magic wand worked. And uh, I think a lot of music teachers will be very pleased that
1: maybe you're the one who pushed
0: the needle. That's cool.
1: Yep. And my students now know they can't escape nothing from me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Anyway, Crystal, it's been a real, real treat uh, to speak with you. Um, Your energy is infectious. um, And I'm hoping that uh, people got a lot of ideas um, uh, from listening to you. Uh, and I promise, uh, you know, as soon as I'm down in that area, I'm gonna stop by and say hello. Cause uh, you're you're definitely somebody I, I wanna get I wanna get to know. You're fantastic.
1: Hopefully you'll get to see or hear um some of these final compositions. Um there's, there's some really good stuff that some students have turned in that I, I'm like bubbling inside. Like I don't want to share it yet. I want it to be like a premiere, you know, you're, right, you're, right. music teacher mind goes all over the place when students do like something that you just wasn't even expecting um so yep well, the Sen, doors if are you, open.
0: <laughs> yeah if you do any kind of recital like that you send me an invite i would love to come down
1: i sure will and it's easy because we're still doing virtual stuff so i can just send you a link
0: <laughs> all right awesome thanks so much chris really great chatting with you you're welcome all right be well thank you for listening to profiles in teaching with technology from music first for more information about music first please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.